Welcome to another episode of Ground Under Repair. I'm your host, Tim Williams. The golf boom of the 1990s changed the game. Suddenly interest in the sport spiked. It seemed like everybody started playing, and most importantly, new golf courses popped up everywhere. One place that seemed to have an abundance of courses open in the 90s, the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, where it seemed like the number of courses doubled between 1993 and 1998. That number has unfortunately shrunk as some of the newer courses did not survive after the boom went away. One course that survived and thrived is Old Homestead in New Tripoli, and they've developed a reputation as one of the best public golf experiences in their state. So this week at Ground Under Repair, I talked with Justin Smith, the general manager at Old Homestead, about the course's beginnings, surviving after the boom, and the business of golf courses. Anyone out there who's interested in getting involved with golf course management should listen to what Justin has to say. This is the kind of course, after all, that people will drive an hour to play, passing by several other good courses on the way. So without further ado, here's Justin Smith on the management side of golf. Welcome to Ground Under Repair, where golf is for everyone. I'm joined this week by Justin Smith, the general manager of Old Homestead Golf Club in New Tripoli, Pennsylvania. Justin, welcome to the show. Oh, thanks for having me. Folks, if you read anything about Old Homestead, it will inevitably bring up the course's keen eye for history and how the club has preserved several historical artifacts, such as a one-room schoolhouse on its property. Of course, Justin, you have a pretty strong reason for this. When I learned about the background of the course itself, I was amazed. Tell us a little bit about the background of Old Homestead. Well, the uh, the property as a whole has remained in the uh, same family for about 270 years. So before uh, this was even a country, um, the ancestors came over from Jam- Germany and stuck claim to about 700 acres, which uh, was predominantly used for farming uh, through the years. But then when farming uh, slowed down and, and wasn't paying the bills uh, around the late 80s, early 90s, they were looking for you know, the next opportunity, and they didn't want to build housing. And as everyone knows, golf was in a boom at that point in time. So they uh, they said, okay, we're going we're gonna to turn 250 acres of it into a golf course. And uh, over the years, the property has changed. Um, it, we, we haven't maintained all 700 acres. Sometimes when the estate tax would come through, some land would be, be sold to pay for the estate tax and so forth. But this track of land where the golf course is has always remained in the same family. And um, my my grandmother, who passed away in 1992, she used to reference this property as the old homestead, the one that never changed hands. And so when we were opening the course in 1994, uh, it was just fitting that we, we picked that name. Yeah, and I remember when the course first opened, and I'm sure you might still do this, there were some classic trucks that they used to um, open up the barn and show people when you were walking out of the parking lot and toward the golf course, you could see these classic trucks. There, It is a really keen eye for history on the property, and it's it's great to know that it's something that's been in in a family for so long for since colonial times since like you said before this country was actually a country so in 
of course, in the Northeast, we we love to keep that keen eye for history. So it's very appropriate for for Eastern Pennsylvania to have a course like that there. Oh, we we absolutely try to uh, build that into the the experience. I mean, driving from from number nine to ten, you're driving through uh, an old corn crib. Same thing when you come off at of eighteen. When you finish your round, we have you go through a different wad. Uh, the one room schoolhouse is right next to thirteen T box, so you can look in it. We have all original uh, chalkboards and desks and, and the whole the whole venue set up. Um, what else we got? We have a one room schoolhouse right behind eight green and nine T. Excuse me, a uh, uh, a summer kitchen behind uh, eight green and nine T. So you can always check that out. Which is uh, you know all these spots are, are very popular not only for the golfers going by but for weddings and events. They love getting uh, pictures out there and as well. Well, another thing that makes Old Homestead picturesque is it's it's out in the country a bit. As you mentioned, there's a lot of farmland in the area, and while it's it's pretty close to Allentown and to the the bigger areas of the Lehigh Valley in Pennsylvania, and a pretty reasonable drive from the Philadelphia area, it is a bit removed from that kind of an urban or suburban environment, and you get rolling hills and a lot of a lot of empty countryside behind the golf course that makes for really beautiful pictures and um ma- makes for well you're at the foot of the blue hills so it and i think that would be my next question is a course that's just a little bit off the beaten path but old homestead's always had a bit of a buzz to it since it opened what do you think it, it would be the um the attraction power beyond just the picturesque scenery and the history of of old homestead what do you think got that word of mouth going so quickly um i think a couple things but uh number one is the golf course itself um the the architect jim blokovich had had a great piece of land to work with so you have a diversity of shots. You have uphill shots. You have downhill shots. You have left. You have right. Um, it is very much a link-style course, and there aren't um, a lot of pure link-style courses in, in the area. A lot of them are, are more of your parkland-style course or, or a little bit of a hybrid. Uh, but, but ultimately, I think the, his layout, his design, and the piece of land he had developed a, a course that has 18 unique holes. Uh, and there's a lot of places you play where, you know, one or two of the holes are, um, you don't remember them. But, and I think over here you, you can remember a lot of the holes and, and you may have a hard time picking your favorite. The Lynx style course, when it first opened, it seemed like the rough was a little bit, it, you almost have to be a pro to get the ball out of it. So in the opening of a course like this, was it difficult early on to get to scale back the course a little bit to be a little less difficult for the average person coming through it so they didn't lose half a dozen balls playing this beautiful course? Because I, I do remember early on the rough was in, insane, but it's a, a as you mentioned, it's a link style course. That's what you're going for. Sure. So we have separated a couple uh, things in. And, and as you mentioned, when it when it originally opened, uh, the front nine was the back nine, and the back nine was the front nine, and uh, that ultimately got switched uh, 
just due to uh, you know consulting with the architect and the way things were laid out, he felt that'd be be the best uh, opportunity. But some of the things with the rough uh, discussing that is the the golfer in the 1990s is a lot different than the golfer in in 2016, 2017, and the golfer back then was was sometimes interested in that brutal challenge which as we're seeing now may not be the best for the golf industry and, and in my opinion definitely not in the best interest for the type of uh, you know de- demographic we pull which is um non-professionals uh which are you know the guys out here from you know scratch golfers to 35 handicaps who are just trying to have fun so certainly the rough is not as high as it used to be but what we have done is we made the fairways a little bit wider we have a first cut uh, right outside the fairway, and then you go into the rough. And then actually past the rough, then we'll head more into your, your open fescue. So you still have all the aesthetics, uh, but we've made the course a little bit more playable over the years as the, uh, the demographic of golfer has evolved as well. The layout is it, – it's – Nothing short of stunning. You play a few of those holes, and like you mentioned, they are pretty unforgettable. I think a lot of golfers, and I'm definitely among them, like elevated tee shots. And that's one thing Old Homestead has a bunch of, is shots where you're a whole, uh, you know, 20, 30, 40 feet above where the fairway is or where the green is that you're aiming at. And that adds to the fun of it and it also adds to the scenery you're able there are a lot of vistas where you're able to sit and look at the rest of the course and the area around it absolutely uh i mean hole number four which uh has won the best par three in the lehigh valley uh previously is it's just an elevated tee box um you're you're hitting over a creek which we have uh, a lot of uh, naturalized areas around it to a to more of a elongated, uh, we'll say peanut-shaped green, with uh, woods in the background. It's just it, it you know, it, it's picturesque. It frames the hole very well. Um, number nine, coming back into the clubhouse, overlooking the two ponds, does that. And then um, hole 16, the par five, where you're just you have these, you know, I don't know how old they are, 100, 150 year old pine trees, and you're on a tee box standing taller than them. Uh, it's just a, a a neat feeling. Yes, yeah, 16's one of my favorite holes, really, on a public golf course that I've played. You get to stand up there, and not only are you taller than those trees, if you're a longer hitter, you're probably aiming over those trees in some way, shape, or form. So it's a it's a scary shot as well. And like you mentioned, you don't want to make it a course for professionals, but you still do want that challenge. Golfers, you know, it, we wouldn't play golf if we didn't like the challenge. So I certainly 16 always stands out in my mind when I think of that course and as well as nine and as well as the opening hole, nice big par five to open. I, I wish every course could open with a par five, frankly. It, it gives you a little bit of, uh, a little bit of hope. You'll say that, you know, uh, you don't you don't have to uh, 
start on like a par three where your first shot has to be pure to get on the green. You know what, if you're a little left or a little right on a par five, well, hey, you still got a couple more shots to get to the green. So it, it is, a, uh, I, I think, a, a good way to transition into your round. You mentioned that Old Homestead opened up in the 1990s during what was really a big boom in both the interest around golf and the opening of golf courses. And I know in the Lehigh Valley area, it seemed like the amount of courses almost tripled from 1990 to 1996. And not all of them are still around, but Old Homestead has that staying power. And I think that's all over the country. There are golf courses that opened up during the boom that are wondering what they do now that golf's kind of returned to a more normal state in terms of how people approach the game. If you had to give advice out there, and I I know that that changes by the day, what would you say is, is part of the staying power of a golf course like this? Well, certainly there's a couple, uh, couple variables at play, but one, one, you have to know who you are as a golf course and you, you have to provide value. Uh, you know, customers want a great experience as people are playing less and less golf, they're valuing the individual experiences even even within a greater level of uh, you know interest. So you have to make sure you deliver on that each time. And something that as a as a business model that we look at is um, that that I think some other golf courses don't is is we're not totally focused on the avid golfer. Uh, we are focused on the casual golfer. We're focused on the guy and the lady who plays four rounds to 12 rounds a year. And there is a lot of those in the marketplace. There's not a lot of golfers who play 50 rounds a year. So, I mean, that that just doesn't happen like it used to. So if if you're still, everyone's still trying to go after that, that target, uh, it's a small target. It's very elusive. And uh, there's not enough of it to to make you stay viable as as a business. So uh, we really focus on that that casual golfer, and uh, I think we've we've seen uh, a good amount of success doing that. You also have a golf academy that's well known as one of the better golf academies in your area in in Pennsylvania itself. It puts a real emphasis on junior golf. And you mentioned that fewer and fewer people are playing or people are playing less and less golf as time goes on. So I I would guess that that's a good transition into the importance of spreading the game to to younger people, to to kids who are interested in it and you want to strike while the iron's hot. Yes. And part of it is um, some of the reasons people are playing less golf is Nationally speaking, family values have changed. As where, um, you know, back in the 90s, dad could go on Saturday and Sunday and play 27 holes and eat lunch in between both days. Uh, Now they're trying to get out and play at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning so they can be home and spend time with their family. So uh, taking that into consideration, uh, 
junior golf uh, is, is part of the family, so how do we still attract and appeal to, to the family and, and the changing values of society? And that's looking at junior golf and providing an opportunity to develop those, those younger players at, at an age where mom and dad can enjoy the activity of golf and, and you know, eating down on, out on the deck in, in this beautiful place together. So we have to, as a as a business, you know, not look at it as a changing uh, business, but as a, an evolving business, and we just need to evolve with it. And I think that's the perfect way way to uh, to do it. Certainly, and you need to reach out to junior golfers as well because that's where love for the game is really instilled. We learn it somewhat early on it's you don't see that many golfers that come to the game in their 30s for example but but you see a lot of them that start out as kids and they might not necessarily have the time but they'll find the time when they can to get out and play and speaking of time that's one thing from the very first time i played old homestead to whenever i visit the high valley now and i still play it that's a course that's always paid keen attention to the amount of time a round of golf takes. How is pace of play, or how do you make pace of play such a priority at, at a golf course like Old Homestead? Well, uh, first, thank you for recognizing that because we we do, and I, I don't. Uh, uh, not many people recognize us for that uh, as you have, so thank you. But. Um, Time compression is one of the main reasons why people don't play as much golf as they don't have that much time in their day to to for for recreation. So, one of the programs we started two three years ago is called Fast Fridays, where everyone has to play in four hours or less, and people loved it. It was great. I had people, you know, begging the the our, our pro and myself do this seven days a week. This is what we want. And I think with products like golf now, uh, they're trying to commoditize the golf industry. And you know, what's your competitive advantage? Um, people with golf now are just looking at the price as we're saying, okay, well, sure. You could go over there, but it may take you five and a half hours to play. Do you even have that time? Are you going to appreciate and value your experience doing that? Uh, Old Homestead one, we have a we have a great golf course. We have a touchscreen GPS is on the cart on Fridays. You know you're going to get done your round of golf in under four hours. Um, we're, we're trying to add those touch points so that you can see value with with what we're presenting. Hey, what's wrong with sports being entertaining? Each time I turn on my television, somebody's complaining about some athlete celebrating an achievement too much, or talking trash, or doing something else that ultimately harms nobody and adds entertainment value to all the games. Why? I say give me bat flips, touchdown dances, trash talk that would turn Larry Bird's head, spikes, spins, parrots on shoulders, dances in the outfield, all of it. Turn it up louder. If people don't want to have fun, they can watch gardening. I'm Tim Williams, and you can hear this kind of stuff weekly on my podcast, The Pickup Game, right here on Podcast Lab Network. 
There's also a par three course, a an executive course at Old Homestead that at one point used to be a series of holes on the original 18 that are now redistributed into these par threes, which makes the casual experience a lot easier for someone that might live in the area and might not have time for a full round of golf. You can get nine holes of par three in pretty quickly. Oh yeah. You know, in, in an hour and uh, that has newer technology sand and seed on its greens than the 18 hole course, just because of the, uh, excuse me, that was built in 2002 and, and the course here was in 94. So it's you're getting the the same great experience. It's a great transition for uh, the juniors before um, they may not be ready for the 18 hole course, but they can start playing over there. It's a great way for for people who just need to to tune up their game, who don't have as much time, and someone who wants to get introduced to golf. But you know what? I, I don't know if I want to go spend four four and a half hours on a golf course. Let me let me go up here and, and try it first. And then obviously uh, it's it's at a price point which you know you know anyone can can go do it and have fun and and uh, enjoy themselves. I noticed on your website that Old Homestead also offers foot golf. Now that's I, I'm not in the crowd that foot golf has has ever really appealed to, but I've always wondered about this. How popular is foot golf for your course and and really? What what takeaways do you have from offering foot golf? So we we offer foot golf up on the nine hole uh, executive course uh, as well as as golf, and it is very popular over in in Europe. It's very popular um, over in in the west near California, where soccer is a little bit more popular, and so we've been tracking it more from a, a business perspective, because you have roughly 10% of the population plays golf at a frequency of once a month. Uh, roughly 25% of the uh, population plays soccer at a frequency of once a week. Okay, so you're, you're more than doubling your, your market and you're quadrupling the frequency rate. So... There, there's a much bigger market for this for for foot golf than there may be for golf. So um, we said we try it out up at the short course. Uh, it's worked great. Uh, the the bottom line is there are some days we have more people playing foot golf than we have playing golf up there. It's a fun activity. Listen, my uh, my children are three and five. I can go up there with my kids and play foot golf because they're not old enough or ready enough to to play nine holes of golf. So it's another opportunity for, for families to be able to come to the facility and enjoy themselves. Um, my wife loves doing it. We Our neighbors come up. Uh, it, it's very popular. And that's, it's interesting to see the different ways people have, have grown the game of golf through things like foot golf that, that, a lot of people would never have thought of that has become a, an increasing thing around around the country that people are trying this new, it, and it really is a new thing. It, it's I, I don't think foot golf has been around for that long, even in Europe. No, the uh, the uh, AFGL American uh, 
actually, well, I can look it up quick. But there's a there's a national body uh, for foot golf which came to the U.S. or was in the U.S. and actually got it named an official sport in the United States, and then went and partnered with the National Golf Course Owners Association uh, to kind of help educate golf courses about this new opportunity and if it's the right fit for your organization and uh, the opportunities that come with it. So it is structured. It is organized. Um, they approve. You don't just go out there and, and, and lay it out yourself. They have guidelines as far as how far the how long the par threes, par fours, and par fives should be. Uh, what's uh, fair as far as tee placements and, and hole placements, and they review your course and your map uh, before they approve it. So it's a it's a legitimate program. They uh, they they are organized. They know what they're they're doing, and they'll give you the their imp, uh, best knowledge to help you be successful as well. I think anyone listening to this will say that you have a very good business mind, a sharp mind for business. So I think a question I'd like to ask, there are a lot of people out there, a lot of younger people who are studying business or want to study business, but their idea is they want to work in the thing they love. And for some people, that's golf. So what is a, from a business perspective, what is something that that you might think about in the business around golf that you wouldn't necessarily think about in other businesses? Well, there, there's a couple, couple variables uh, that I think are important. And one is time. You're, you're not, you're not selling a product from a business perspective. Yes, you have to have a good product, but you're selling time on your product. And time is, is finite it uh every our tea times are nine minutes so every nine minutes it, it disappears you you lost your opportunity uh and some people look at that as oh well just you know maximize your opportunities and and maybe they're they're willing to sacrifice price in order to um maximize the opportunity as where we're looking to maximize the value of our customer and you know what sometimes not having a group in front of you has more value than um than having someone so um don't you can have a great golf course but if you have a five and a half hour round of golf no one's going to enjoy it um we do the same thing with shotguns uh we don't allow more than 128 players in a shotgun and that that's the magic number uh, everyone can play at the same time and never pause and enjoy themselves. Um, sure, it, it, we could make more money if we let 144 people on the golf course, but then we'd have 144 people who didn't have a good time versus 128 people who did have a good time. Uh, so, so you really have to think in the, in the long run, uh, which is really hard because because the, the golf business is tough and and people are looking at the budgets you know, this week, this month, this year, how are we going to maximize that? But you also have to look a year from now and two years and five years and say, okay, you know, how are we going to build a brand and a reputation known for excellence where people want to play and people want to, to pay to go there because they love their, their experiences. So it's, it, it's challenging because the pressure is to perform now. Uh, but ultimately speaking, 
you have to be making decisions on, on the long run. And of course, you wouldn't be working at a golf course if you didn't have some kind of a passion for the game of golf. So how about your own history with the game? What, uh, what stands out to you? What, what kind of ignited your love of golf? Well, to um, be frank, I'm, a, I'm just a competitor. I love competition. Um, I played soccer when I was younger. I played football. I played rugby. I pole vaulted, obviously. I played golf in there. Uh, I just love the competition. And now that um, I'm a little bit older, that I'm not obviously going to be playing football or rugby any longer, um, golf is a great way to go out with my friends and compete. And uh, competitive golf is, is starting to to dwindle down. Uh, there's not as many people interested in that. It's turning much more um, recreational and casual, and that's uh, part of the millennial uh, generation's interest. Uh, they're not as competitive as, as some of the older generations. Uh, so it, it's just finding what works for for you. And uh, it, it's funny. We'll I'll play golf with with some of the other managers, and and you know. Um, we'll bet maybe a, a shift like, oh, well, you know, whoever wins this match has to open the golf course tomorrow and the other person can have off. So um, it's, it's little fun, one, fun things like that to, uh, to have fun with friends and, and family. And uh, I just think it's a great game. You mentioned shotgun starts and old homestead has a lot of events at their course throughout, throughout a year. So, you might know this about as well as anybody. For anyone out there who's scheduling an event, who's working with a company that might have a golf event coming up, what's the difference between a well-done corporate golf event and a and one that people walk away from and say, "Well, maybe the course was nice, but I wish that my I wish that the planners had thought of this." So couple things. Uh, one, you have to have proper spacing of the groups on, on the golf course. Um, you can't you can't overfill the golf course, uh, whether it's the whole thing or if you know it's a modified and they only are taking up eight holes or nine holes. You can't you can't put uh, ten holes worth of people on nine holes to try and maximize revenue. Uh, you, you're sacrificing the experience, and places and places do that. Um, it starts when when they arrive. Are there uh, or is there the right amount of staff outside? Are the carts out? Are they clean? Is the staff making sure that they're getting the clubs out of everyone's trunk, uh, getting them on the golf cart without ever putting them on the ground? Explaining to these new golfers, okay, here's where the putting range, uh, the putting green is. Here's where the driving range is. We have uh, you know coffee and donuts inside at the cafe. The bathrooms are over here. Introducing them, making them feel. Uh, welcome, and so when they walk down back down from the parking lot after bag drop, they're not looking around. Where, where do I go? Where, you know, what do I do? They've already been introduced to your facility, and and making sure that when you're doing the announcements before the event, you explain the course to them. Uh, you explain how how the scoring is going to be handled. You explain where lunch or dinner is going to be after the event, so that everyone's acclimated to the facility. And then one of my things that that we do, which I I don't know if it's undervalued or uh, at other places or not, is we drive every group out to their hole. I've been to so many uh, events where it's my first time at that facility, and they say, okay, go. You're starting a hole 
12A. I don't know where hole 12 is. I'm trying to read a scorecard map which shows holes one by one, not an overall map of the course. And it's a challenge getting there, and everyone's driving all over the golf courses trying to get to their holes. We have um, leaders take out different sections of the course right to their holes so they know where they're going. Uh, it, I, I think it just keeps it organized and professional and, and provides the, the little, little things that uh, make, make a great event. Yeah, I've, I've seen that on golf courses before where people where I, I won't name the one around me, but there was one where they tried to point me to the first tee and I had to go back to the starter and say, could you point me to the first tee again? You just got guided me down the wrong path and I almost got hit by someone's drive. So where am I supposed to go? And that's that can always be a um, well, it's a tense situation because then you have a golf ball flying at you. Well, sure, and and no one likes to feel like they don't know what's going on. You know, certainly uh, you play enough golf that that you're comfortable around the golf course. Yet you're at a new facility, and and all of a sudden it feels foreign to you, and that's that's not a comfortable experience. So we try and make it, uh, you know, provide as much uh, introduction and acclimation as possible, so that everyone feels comfortable and, and knows what they're doing and where they're going, and excited about their day. I have to ask this question about the course itself, and you mentioned playing it yourself. How much more difficult is the tee shot on that par three ninth hole when there are actually people out on the deck eating where it looks like you have a gallery as opposed to when there's nobody out there and you can just take your shot and nobody's watching it? Because for some reason for me, if I look up and there's someone eating lunch out on that gallery, I know that there's no way my ball's going on the green. <laughs> uh that's you know that's the psychological game of golf i think everyone deals with that uh it kind of reminds me of the, the masters when when um sergio was in the trees and um rose was, was on the green with uh i believe in an eagle putt and uh you know one person had the mental wasn't at a distant advantage but had the mental fortitude that day to um to get the job done and the other person had the perfect opportunity, maybe felt some pressure, and, and didn't. So, uh, uh, obviously, game, golf's a mental game, and, and that's one of the uh, variables that, that certainly doesn't help make it any easier. And any other thoughts on the Masters? I figure it just it did just wrap up. I, I, I don't want to completely ignore the pro game because this is more of a... Um, a hobby golfers podcast we i think we all watch the game on television so i i certainly would open it up to any other thoughts you have on the masters tournament no just a uh, a very well run event uh every year obviously that's why it's the the only course that they return to all the time uh it's just interesting to see how they how they have it set up and how the players react to it each time, and I think it was—it's uh, always good theater. That event always is, is fun to watch, and um, you know, obviously Sergio winning was uh, was something that that was different and, and maybe surprised some people. Or they, you know, they—I had someone ask me a, a day ago, "You think he would have made that last putt if he had pressure on? If he if he knew he had to make it for the win?" Uh, and 
you know, it goes back to what you were discussing is the mental game. And uh, is it easier when there isn't as much pressure? Uh, and, and why is that? Because uh, we get in our own heads. So I, I just think it's, it's, it's fun to watch. They run a great event, and uh, it, it was this year was as good as any. Justin Smith, general manager of Old Homestead Golf Club, New Tripoli, Pennsylvania. Thank you very much for coming on. Anyone who's in the Lehigh Valley area, New Tripoli's right out on Route 100, or right off Route 100 on, I think, 309 is where your course is? Correct. Yep, right a right, uh, mile up the road from where 309 and 100 intersect. It's, you know what, it's a fun drive to get out there as well. And as well as golf, I like having a little bit of a drive. So I've always enjoyed that drive out to Old Homestead from where I'm usually staying in Bethlehem. So that that can be a lot of fun as well. Certainly, best of luck. Have a great day today where I'm sure it's going to be very busy at the course because it is a beautiful day in the Northeast. And thank you once again for coming on. How can people find Old Homestead Golf Club other than um, just driving the Tripoli? Oldhomesteadgolfclub.com. Old spelled O-L-D-E. We got a, a great website up there, tremendous amount of information. And uh, if you have any questions, give us a call. We'd love to talk to you. All right. Thank you very much for coming on, Justin. No problem. Have a great day. That's our show for this week. Coming up next week, I'm going to talk to Bruce Charlton, President and Chief Design Officer of Robert Trent Jones II Golf Course Architects, one of the premier course designers in the world. Golfers play against the course, after all, and I don't know about you, but I've always wondered what goes into creating a worthy opponent. Thanks again to Justin Smith for joining us from Old Homestead Golf Club in New Tripoli, Pennsylvania. If you're near eastern Pennsylvania, take the drive. I promise the course won't disappoint. You can find us on iTunes and Stitcher. Just search for Ground Under Repair, and I would greatly appreciate a subscription. Until next week, this was Ground Under Repair. I'm Tim Williams. Fairways and greens, everyone. Music